Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Girl, the SAG after strike is over, and you know what that means. A mass exodus of the Hollywood actors back to Los Angeles. Oh my god, did you hear? Did you hear? Did you hear? Oh my god, guys. Jake has a podcast. I can't believe Jake has a podcast. Oh my god, Jake has a What's up, everybody? My name is Jake Workman, and this is Oh My Pod, You Guys, a musical theater and pop culture podcast. You guys, the Actors Union SAG-AFTRA has finally reached a tentative deal with the studios to end the strike. This strike was historic. I mean, it lasted almost four months. They came to a billion-dollar agreement. SAG president Fran Drescher took to Instagram to just shout her praises and to say thank you for all the SAG members for hanging in there and holding out so that they could reach this historic deal. So I'm so excited for everybody who gets to go back to work. I do think it's absolutely hilarious that all of the LA actors who came to New York because they couldn't work in LA are now fleeing back. But hey, girl, get your coin, get your bag, get your money. And everybody post all of the things that you've been waiting to post for so long because we all know that you've worked so hard and waited so long to get to talk about them. You all deserve to finally get the chance to share everything that you've been working on and waiting for. So yay. And you guys, with that, we got to dive right into this week's Broadway World Recap brought to you by my friends at broadwayworld.com. Y'all, there is a lot to talk about this week from casting announcements to openings to closings. But first, we have got to talk about this crazy kooky casting announcement we just got word that boy george is going to join the cast of moulin rouge as harold zidler boy george obviously known for being a grammy award-winning singer and songwriter who rose to fame as the lead singer of the iconic band culture club i think you guys this is a really excellent casting choice i think he has the the weirdness and the edge and clearly like the history in the the music industry to bring something really cool to the role of Harold Zidler. The role is currently being played by Titus Burgess and then he'll be replaced by Eric Anderson who returns to the role on Tuesday, December 19th through Sunday, February 4th and then Boy George will take over on February 6th. Next you guys, Broadway World has a really fun first look at the First video footage to come from the Jerry Mitchell-directed Boop the Musical playing at the CIBC Theater in Chicago. The video, which you can see on broadwayworld.com, is the cast performing a number called Where I Want to Be, led by Jasmine Amy Rogers as Betty Boop herself. And you guys, this looks so fun. It looks so cool. I truly had no idea what to expect from a show like this, but I think Jerry Mitchell and this team are really going to pull something just so fun and I really can't wait to see it. You should definitely check out this video. It's great. The song is already excellent. And I can't wait to see, you know, this full set and costumes and all of it. So boop, boop, a doop. Next, you guys, we got the announcement of the Grammy nominations for the 2024 Grammys. And you guys, this marks the second consecutive year that only Broadway cast recordings have been nominated in the category, shutting out West End and off-Broadway recordings. The shows nominated for this year's Best Musical Theater Album are Kimberly Akimbo, Parade, Shucked, Some Like It Hot, and Sweeney Todd. 
I always think it's so cool that there can be recognition for the artistry in the recording studios for these incredible original Broadway cast recordings. So congratulations to everybody involved and everyone nominated. And I cannot wait to hear who gets that best musical theater album Grammy Award. Next, you guys, in a kind of crazy bit of news, it was just announced that Sleep No More is set to play its final 5,000th performance this January. The off-Broadway production has been running since March of 2011 at the McKittrick Theater, and it has truly become an iconic piece of New York theater. I mean, it was certainly a game changer in introducing what it means to, to do immersive theater in, in America and New York. And while I do hate to see such an institution of a show go away, I do think it's really incredible that nearly 13 years after it opened, it will have played exactly 5,000 performances to more than 2 million people. Like, that is insane. The McKittrick Hotel has numerous stages, and it's truly evolved into a, a multi-venue attraction for nightlife and dining and entertainment. But Sleep No More is certainly what they have been known for, and I'm sure that they're all just sad to see it go. So congratulations to everybody who has ever had a hand in Sleep No More on an incredible run. And lastly, you guys, I am so excited to talk about the announcement that B.B. Newworth and Stephen Skybell are going to join the cast of Cabaret at the Kit Kat Club on Broadway as Fräulein Schneider and Herr Schultz. You guys, anyone who knows me knows that I am a slut for Cabaret. I love this show. It's, I think, truly in my top three shows of all time. I absolutely adore it. And these two going into these roles are going to knock it out of the park. I mean, B.B. Newworth, come on. As Fräulein Schneider, incredible that the role is so nuanced and delicate and heavy at the same time. It, she's going to be incredible. And then Stephen Skybell coming off of his run as Tevya in the all Yiddish production of Fiddler on the Roof. Like, this this show is so timely. I mean, it's unfortunate how timely it is, but these incredible performers telling this story is only going to add to how important and amazing this show is. Bibi and Steven are set to join the previously announced Eddie Redmayne as the MC and Gail Rankin as the toast of Mayfair, Sally Bowles. Preview performances of Cabaret will start on April 1st of 2024 with an official press opening night of April 21st. And you guys, I don't think I've been this excited for a new revival of a show in a long, long time. I cannot wait. Mazel to all involved. And you guys, this has been the Broadway World Recap. Oh, what my pod, you guys. I'm so excited to welcome my next guest to the show. She is a performer, a singer, an artiste, and an activist. And I am just a huge fan. Please welcome Miss Pepper Mint. Hello, Jake. Hi, gorgeous. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Hi, beauty. Thank you so much for being here. Where are you calling from? Can you tell us? I'm in New York City in my oh, secret NYC, lane. baby. <laughs> well, I am so glad that I had the opportunity to meet you after our friend Jay Rodriguez's show at 54 mm -hmm. Below. Friend of the pod. I had him on to talk all about his amazing career and his 54 Below show. Um, but of course, I, sp I spotted you from across the way and I was like, that's Peppermint! 
just have to say hi. <laughs> yes, we got a nice picture. It was awesome. Yeah. And the show yes. was so great. Oh, my God. It was amazing. And it, it was so I, – I was so excited to see um, – how beautifully you um, shared about it on on your socials and everything, and I just mm. I love that you are so supportive of of all of your pals in the <laughs> in the biz. But I of course I'm so excited to have you here to talk about your incredible shows that you have gotten to work on. I mean now the strike is over, thank God, so we don't have to be completely tight lipped about <laughs> TV. Yeah, but- this is the first. Um, moment that I have that I'm able to actually talk about some of the things that I've done, which is great. Uh, thank God. Tell me everything. I have to, of course, just say first that I Head Over Heels was the best show ever. There's just no question, frankly. And you hold the distinction of being the first trans woman to ever originate a Broadway principal role. Like, tell me everything. How did you even become first involved with that show? Well, uh, it was, I, I, I auditioned. What <laughs> was that? Work diva. Um, yeah. My agent was like, here's the, here's the, here's the audition. Um, and they were looking for somebody with drag experience that, mm-hmm. um, could bring, you know, they, they obviously had sort of a, um, a vision of something that was kind of campy for the show and, and right. and so they wanted somebody who has had drag experience, but they wanted them to also be trans, and the role is non-binary, and so there's a lot that they had in mind. Um, and so I got the the script, and you know, I didn't really. It was really difficult to kind of understand and follow because it was in basically this like Shakespearean sort of language. Um, <laughs> yes, you know. <laughs> And so I was like, well, the script isn't that helpful for me, you know, to like really figure out what's I can read. I can (laughs) read the words and understand literally what they're saying. But like in terms of like subtext or like what people want, like it's just it was like I was like, what is going on? This, you know, (laughs) language, Um, it's actually called blank verse. But um, it's basically I have blank brain. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and so, so, but I, I auditioned and I was on the road at the time and I was, um, on tour, uh, with a Christmas drag show, uh, in Europe and I was so sending in tapes and they, I, I was like, had the entire callback process remotely before oh COVID. Right. And we were sending in <laughs> tapes and sending in back and then they would feedback and back and forth. So after a, probably about like a couple of months of back and forth at least maybe maybe about a month of back and forth um you know they had me come in and do the final call back in person wow and then you made your broadway debut darling so amazing i mean it's always the the moment that you find out that you are going to make your broadway debut is always so special but i would imagine for you that this experience was one like unlike any other because it's it it was so affirming of of your identity and and it was so celebratory of the diversity of everybody on stage and i just i was so excited for you and for that entire company to get to do something that means something but is also just so fun and happy and like you got to work with queen belting bonds bonnie milligan it's true. It's true. I Girl. got to work with some fantastic uh, 
uh, icons and and future legends. Um, and you know, this was obviously before Bonnie took home the Tony, but she was right. every bit as <laughs> as much of a diva and and a talented diva. I mean, yes. Um, and so, yeah, it, it was a it was a great experience. Obviously, it was my first experience with Broadway, and I think we all have those. You know, um, for those of us that have a first time on Broadway, it's probably like you know the dream come true moment. But yeah, there, there. It was great for it to be uh, sort of aligned with a lot of the things that I find important, and um, you know, and other people in the cast also were, were very open minded, and the material is very. It's, pr- it's probably one of the queerest things that I had ever seen <laughs> on Broadway up to that point, for sure. Yeah. Um, and and so yeah, like it was certainly looking back on it like a, a a really big opportunity for more for many reasons personally professionally for myself but then also it connected with the community and you know there was an opportunity for our you know we were like legit in there like phone banking speaking out creating content for yes uh you know lgbtq rights uh, this was during the Trump administration, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, like, so we were like, maybe, and probably having something to do with me, focused <laughs> uh, a lot on the sort of activism piece as m- almost as much as the performance aspect. I definitely was, and the rest of the cast was really supportive in that as well. So it was a an interesting opportunity, and and I'm grateful for it. Totally. I mean, I so admire your your very vocal activism and advocacy for for queer people and trans rights. And I can't wait to ask you about it. But before I do, I would love to know if if you always had, you know, the hope of doing a Broadway show or or if that sort of was in tandem with your your drag artistry. Like, did you were you a kid who did the musical theater thing? Yeah, I mean, I was in plays and musicals and choir and, like, any opportunity to perform, to be honest with you. But, like, obviously (laughs) in a small town or, like, you know, not New York City, um, like, school plays is, like, the best way to kind of get all those things wrapped in one. And so I did the high school musicals and I did all the different things, like, (laughs) actual actual musicals in high school. I didn't do anything with high school musicals. Um, Even before I did drag, and drag was sort of an extension of that. And then, obviously, I focused on drag because when I wanted to have, like, professional performance opportunities, I the message was sent really clearly that, like, they just weren't writing parts for people like me. There really wasn't content. Like, there were no there was no head over heels right. um, then. You know, the most we had, you know, we there were obviously queer roles and characters and you know, things that I probably could have done, you know, like, um, you know, Paul in a chorus line or, you know, sure. You know, uh, Lacage, you know, so there were certainly things that connected to drag, but through a really sort of like male cisgender male kind of way. And that was just like, not, I was not interested in that. (laughs) Not the tea. Right. No. So, uh, I jumped into the world of drag and like really like was like, well, let me just go further down into the drag depths. And that's what I did for many years. And then until Heather Heels came around, I was able to to 
bring everything I learned over the years back to the stage. But yeah, I went to college for musical theater um, performance. Work and, diva. You know, so like I'm a, a, a theater queen. Hands She's down. a Broadway broad. <laughs> <laughs> it's I true. Love it. It's well, I. I truly have been such a fan of yours for so long, not only because of your drag, but because of your performance ability. And so I'm so glad that, you know, Broadway was able to display your talents because you are a singer, mama. You're singing Zao. (laughs) (laughs) And dancing, of course. Darling, I try to, you know, take take a little scream and twirl every now and again. Um, (laughs) And yeah, you know, like it's 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 really interesting. You know, I don't have a typical. There's nothing typical about my voice when it, like, my physical voice when it comes to um, Broadway or even fi- just entertainment in general. Sure. And and so, you know, uh, that was that's something that was I think really apparent to a lot of casting directors and people who were creatives when I was younger and then coming up, um, and even doing Head Over Heels, like. There was, we had to have some like moments where they were like, oh, we have to like rewrite this. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And I was like, yes, if you want me to yes, d- you do, do it. <laughs> <laughs> you wrote it yes. once, you can write it again. Like, you Period. know, I mean, and I wasn't being, you know, like cavalier about it. I, I respected and appreciated that they were willing to right. to take another look and like make sure that the, um, the music and the, the the role as it as it connected to the music fit me, you mm-hmm. know. Since I had been cast, because you know, alternatively they're like, no, you you have to just be able to sing, do it exactly as it is on the page. And if you're not right. that person, and so that means that like a lot of people don't get get access to those types of things. And so totally. when they're willing to 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 readjust things, it's one thing if you're like you know Tony Braxton. Um, in Beauty and the Beast, and they can change the key. But, like, right. it's another thing if you're, like, kind of uh, an unknown when it comes to Broadway um, mm-hmm. and that they're willing to do it. And I think that's just a sign of the times, especially post-2020. They're willing. I think that – I hope that creatives are willing to, like, be like, okay, we want the ingenue or the lead, but, like, maybe the bitch is a fucking baritone. Excuse my French. You know what I mean? Oh, like, no, I love maybe, it. maybe she's not some soprano. Like, who says that the – Period. The lead, the ingenue, the lead has to be a soprano. Right. Maybe it's the villain's a soprano. Time. Why is yes. the villain always an alto? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And I, I I totally agree. I was um lucky enough to be in Chicago um after Queen herself, Miss Angelica Ross, made her mm-hmm. star turn as Roxy Hart. And um I was so, I mean, I've talked about this on the podcast before, but I was so um, happy to see that Chicago as a brand embraced her so so openly um, and so easily, but they also took all of the things that she offered. Taught them. Yes, <laughs> taught them and used them. I mean, like the whole, the entire, I mean, I would love to ask your opinion, I guess, on, on the entire construct of the role of Mary Sunshine, which is the role that I play. But, um, you know, she was like, hey guys, we can't do it this way anymore. It has to be like, if, if there's going to be a reveal of Mary sunshine at the end of the show, it has to be on Mary's terms. We're not outing this person as anything, you know? And they were like, period, we'll do it. We'll change it. And I was like, hell yes. It's about damn time. I mean, the show has been running for fucking ever. It's 27 years old now, but 35, it's 35 years. 
20? It's that was Phantom. Twenty seven is okay. Okay. Is okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Chicago. Twenty seven. But yeah, 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 crazy. And and I'm so. It's just so exciting to see that, like, more and more, you said, you know, post-2020, and it's a sign of the times that, like, we're no longer just going to do it the way that we've always done it. Always done it, just for the sake, especially since they're not even that married to it anyway, and it's not even that good or, I I, I mean, like, their approach. It's not even that good or that clever anyway. Like, maybe at a certain time it was, like, ooh, honey, we're done. shocker. We're done. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, but I'm also so excited to ask you about the new musical that you had a hand in creating, which is a transparent musical, because um, another dear friend of mine, Miss Liz Larson, was in the show with you. I absolutely adore her, and I couldn't get enough of all of the the promo material that you guys were releasing and the, and the videos. Can you tell me about what it was like to work on that show? Oh, my gosh. It was, it was honestly great to work on the show. It was... It was even um, if if doing a show like Head Over Heels allowed me to really have space for a hold and then also utilize and everything that I've learned in my experience in a role that was that warranted like the drag aspect, the tr- the queer aspect, the trans aspect, and all these different things. Um, on stage in front of people who were not expecting to necessarily see that. Um, if trans, if um, Head Over Heels allowed me to do that to a certain degree, then Transparent definitely allows me to do that like 100%. And, yes. you know, it's save for the drag aspect. It's, there's a, certainly once a queen, always a queen. So, like, there's some campy <laughs> moments and, and there were some campy moments in, in Transparent as well. Um, but it was, it's, you know... I think a, 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 an aspect of um, queer history that we don't always hear, I think, especially when we're talking about trans existences and, um, you know, whether or not trans people should be able to have access to, trans, you know, medi- medical health care and things like that. Mm-hmm. We A lot of the argument that we hear is, oh, it's so new, it's so new, it's too <laughs> new, it's too experimental. But then we, we find out through shows like, well, we find out through history, but that is portrayed in shows like Transparent that we, they were doing surgeries and, and hormones and, and transitions at the turn of the century, like before all of this. So it's not new, Period. you right. know, the Nazis came in and burned all the research in the books and destroyed mm-hmm. it. And yep. so there's another piece of history that we have to learn so much about. And so being able to sort of um, understand, uh, you know, especially with everything that's happening right now, that um, Jewish culture and identities have and people <laughs> have been targeted. Uh, anti-Semitism is obviously not new. And right. it's, it's something that's, um, it's a fascism and the sort of the binary that fascism um, relies on. You're only male or female, young or old, black or white, rich or poor, mm-hmm. gay or straight. If any of that, or actually, it's not even Gary Straight. It's like right or wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so it makes them, you know, it makes it makes anti-Semitism, I think, something that's that's that um, fascists and people who want to discriminate fall can fall back on far too easily, which we time and have time to again. speak out against a hundred percent. And so we see that, um, and. 
what but we didn't know as much is the that LGBTQ identities also fall into that um, sort of pattern easily. And so Absolutely. when we're wanting to quickly discriminate against people, we're going to do it on race, gender, sexuality, or religion. And the groups yep. that oftentimes are targeted um, ha- have been targeted historically in the in in this context have been obviously queer people um, and Jewish people. And now we're seeing you know, uh, anti-Islam, Islamophobia that has historically existed in many aspects (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. and still does. Uh, I'm able to understand discrimination and persecution um, because of my trans identity and because I'm black. And so... And 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 so that right. was a really interesting relationship mm-hmm. to the show, which meant that we needed to much like kind of um, conversations that were happening in Chicago and certainly were happening with Head Over Heels. We needed to sit and have a conversation before we could sit and learn this song. We needed to talk about some of these things mm-hmm. um, and and make sure that we're all on the same page. And so I imagine that if and or when we come back to Broadway, which hopefully will happen in 2024. Hell yes, uh, you heard it here. We will be having more of these conversations in a way that allows audiences to to learn something. Because I remember there were a lot of people that were coming up to me after Transparent, uh, after they'd seen Transparent, and saying, "I had no idea that the yeah. first books that were burned by the Nazis were the LGBT books, were the books mm-hmm. about you know, were Magnus Hirschfeld's books in his uh, Institute for Sexual Research, uh, wow. and that all this information. These were the first books, and." I can't say they were the only books that any Nazi, I don't know who literally burned every single book, but when we're talking about like book burnings and the pictures that we see of the book burnings that were taking, yep. that was literally Magnus Hirschfeld's place, the his Insane. library. Right. And that was our history that they were attempting to erase. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that it's such a beautiful way to, to counteract that by putting trans narratives on stage for people to see in a commercial mm-hmm. setting like Broadway it's like yeah we, it makes it legit no longer yes it does and and it's it's shameful that it ha- has to be um you know put on such a high level for it to be taken seriously but at this point it's worth it it's like you know what uh. it'll it'll all make sense after it's been put up on this this level but i'm just so excited for you guys um in that show and i really really hope that you guys get to do it on broadway i mean i was talking to liz about it and she was like it this was the biggest learning experience of my life and i i can confidently say that i have learned so so much about myself and about just empathy and and understanding from my trans friends and I'm so fortunate too to um, to have a family and a, a mom who um, are always so willing to learn. My my mother actually works at the Mayo Clinic. Hi, shout out to Jenny. Um, oh, hey. And she she was really um, involved in getting the first um, gender confirmation surgery um, for charity at the Mayo Clinic. So she she was like, this is a huge learning experience, you know, for for all of us and and what it means to implement non-binary, you know, terminology into the world of medic like medic yeah medicine yeah it's it's just amazing and so i'm like if this if this show can be one more small piece of of teaching for for someone who may or may not even know what they're stepping into to see 
I just, I, I'm so excited for it. Yeah. Yeah. It's really important, especially given that even though we're, we're like, I guess, I guess we fall into the trap of like, oh, we made history. Oh, there was gay marriage or, oh, like this group had the right to vote. So we did it. We're done without uh-huh. re- remembering that we have to like constantly keep sort of refreshing and reinvigorating these strides towards equality. Because I know that there was a moment in time, especially over the past like 10, 20 years, 10, excuse me, 10 years, where we're seeing a lot of queer roles, trans roles, uh, you know, even gay folks um, on film and television, for instance. But then we go back and we look at GLAD's media index and they say that, you know, after 2020, the roles for queer people, LGBT people, they went down. Like they they minimized by like several, you know, I don't remember exactly how many there were, which is like Mm -hmm. you probably count them on like one hand, maybe two hands right. to begin with. But then that really went, the numbers really went down. And so over the past few years, we're seeing a rise in this sort of discrimination and hate crimes. And it lines up with um, sort of examples in film and television. For, and and Broadway was behind anyway oh, um, cool. in terms of representation. We're seeing We're seeing those sort of diminish. And so it's important that we bring them back, you know? Totally, totally. And I think... I obviously have not had the pleasure of seeing Transparent Musical yet, um, but it's it's exciting to know too that um, even in terms of casting um, and and where we're headed with new stuff that's being seen on Broadway, like and Juliet and things like that. Um, you know, in in Moulin Rouge, they they use like phrases like flats ensemble and heels ensemble because it's not about. It's not male and female. It's, it's not, not about the ladies. It's not gender. Exactly. Right, right. And I love that. And I, I'm so excited, um, you know, as a person who, who uses he, they pronouns, I, I'm excited to be taken seriously in more rooms than I ever thought I would be because exactly, I sing differently than, than most. And right. I don't, I, you know, I, I spoke to, um, it wasn't just my idea, but I was really encouraging of um, in Transparent, for instance, um, when we were going over musically, and our, our musical director would has domain and can speak more to this, um, musical director Julie and, and also the creator Faith, uh, the writer Faith of the music. Um, the we, we just separated people just by voice part, not by, it was just like the high, the low, the mid, whoever, you know, like, Mm-hmm. And rather than, you know, ha- attaching gender Men's unnecessarily to it. Yeah. Right. right. That's a hundred. That is so real. And it's it's hard because, I mean, I, I guess I just, you know, I think so much about Chicago and, and how much of an institution it is in the world of theater. Um, and it's extremely gendered. And I, I like, mm-hmm. hope and pray that there is a day where there could be a person who identifies as non-binary put in either of the quote male or female ensembles of that show, because at the end of the day, it is an ensemble. We are a group telling the story, not two different (laughs) entities, you know, it's just, it's so, but yeah, I mean, I don't know, I guess what it would take for, for a show like that. It's, that's been running for so long, but hopefully more beautiful trans people get to, to set foot on that stage and, and shake things up. I mean, Jinx was there and she's 
um, amazing in the show, but yeah, I'm excited. Well, switching gears a little bit, I would love to hear about the, the activism, I guess is what you would call it, or, or, you know, your, your work to, to advocate for trans rights. But I know that you, um, have been involved, not just in shows, um, you know, on stage, but obviously on, on TV and, and movies and stuff, um, using your voice and speaking out about trans rights and human rights. And I'd love to know, um, do you have a background in, in that or in, in sort of the world of politics or has it just been your own personal experience that has led you to, to speak out so beautifully? I think it's just my own personal experience. I, unless maybe in another life I was reincarnated. I don't know. Maybe I was the Dalai (laughs) Lama, honey. I don't know. Period. Um, (laughs) But uh, no, I don't have a um, any formal connection to a lot of these things, you know. Um, and I don't really consider myself an activist, but I definitely um, am involved in advocacy and and things like that. Um, and I do practice. I try my best to practice to bring a level of authenticity to whatever it is that I'm doing. And if and I think that's something that everybody really wants regardless of what their personal beliefs are, is that they want the people around them that they're dealing with or the people that they encounter to be as authentic as possible so that they can do what they need to do. Um, And so I think another version of that is just, is like sort of art as activism. It is authenticity. It's telling truth through these stories. You know, obviously you can still have fantasy, you can still have fiction, um, but you can have, um, it can address certain issues obviously and Mm -hmm. so that has always been really um important to me it may not always be in style (laughs) Um, (laughs) but because it wasn't there was a moment in time when it wasn't most of my Mm -hmm. life as a performer and as an adult it wasn't um so hopefully it will be for a few more years but while it is i'll take advantage of it and and so um i i think because I was always told, I certainly encountered, especially institutionally, like there wasn't a place, there wasn't anything in between, there wasn't anything that was for, you know, like a, a person that holds several different identities that are marginalized. Mm-hmm. I, I encountered the no's and the this ain't for you. And it was, they didn't even need to inform me. Like I would say that to myself. I'd be like, oh, right. this isn't for me because there wasn't anything there. And mm-hmm. so in lieu of that, I wanted to, I think, I imagine I was like, well, let me, let me challenge that. Cause I'm alive. I have to, I got to survive somehow. I'm here. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I got to do something. Yeah. Um, and so I, you know, my mom tells me that when I was younger, I, you know, felt that the, the teacher was discriminating against the black kids. And so I passed a petition when I was younger. I mean, it's when I, it was second grade. Come on. Passed a petition <laughs> for uh, for the kids to sign to say, you know, we believe that you're treating the black kids differently. And I made sure that all of the white students' names were at the top of the form and that mm-hmm. a white student, I asked a white student to present it. Um, so I recognized that very, very early. I was wow. in second grade. Yeah. I was, was the one who, it was my idea. Bones. But mm-hmm. I was like, no, no, no. I understood how this, how it worked. 
you know, I work. guess. I don't even remember yeah. that, but apparently it happened. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, clearly it, it has only informed, you know, who you are as a person and how, how lucky we are to get to see you shine. I mean, I will never forget, you know, the episode of, of Drag Race where you basically came out publicly on TV as a trans woman. And I mean, I was floored. It, it was like one of the first true, true, like examples of just like queer trans identity being celebrated on TV. I, I am just in awe and I'm so excited that, you know, pe- people are still able to go back and watch that. Like, kids you know Mm -hmm. teens are able to go back and it's going to live on and they get to see themselves in you and your experience it's just amazing i would love to ask though yeah i'm sure is there is there a difference for you um being a performer when you are performing as you as peppermint versus playing a character in a narrative in a in a musical where you know you are telling a story that's not exactly yours, your personal identity. You know, I, I, in short, yeah, definitely there is a difference. There are like some obvious, quite literal differences. And then there's, then maybe some things that are more like sort of up to interpretation. Um, And I, you know, I have to kind of be gentle with myself on all those fronts, because if it's important, which I believe it is, and, and it's been communicated that, you know, for instance, if they want someone of trans experience or someone of a queer identity to actually play this queer role, then they're going to go and ask that person to bring their actual lived experiences to the role first, which any actor would do anyway. But then what ends up happening a lot of times, as we've heard with you saying, speaking about um, Angelica and I would imagine maybe even Jinx, certainly what I was doing in Head Over Heels and, and other projects is is it, it's sort of consulting on the project and making sure that they're doing things, they're, they're even eager to learn and understand that maybe some adjustments or changes need to be made. Not only for the, it's not just for the comfort of the one performer. This is something that benefits the cast and actually Everyone. the producers and everybody involved in the project, period. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... It, it that kind of requires being able to bring a lot more of yourself literally to the project, to the role, to the situation than if everything was just laid out for you. Um, I'm not right. saying that like, you know, people who haven't that, for instance, you know, people who aren't of trans experience or non-binary experience, like, like some cisgender folks who fit into, who seem to fit into the cookie cutter Thing. I'm not saying that they are right. cookie cutter, but seem to fit into that thing from the perspective of the producers. Mm-hmm. Um, then they're not, they're, I, I don't want to say that they're not asked to bring their own identity to the situation, but they're just not being asked to use their identity to perform extra labor to change right. the status quo. And say so, it louder. <laughs> and so it may be easy. I would imagine, I don't know, I don't have the experience of knowing yet. Right. That it may just be it may be easier to just show up to a thing where like, oh, that character looks like me. They kind of act the way I was and it was written and I, nothing changed. Then I'll just do it. And and then I'll just then put on the maybe, costume and yeah, put on the costume that. and do it. And so mm-hmm. maybe then that that allows them to bring to uh, for their 
new their experiences to materialize through the nuances of the of their creative choices that they make just as an actor not necessarily mm-hmm. having to share that with anybody or change the role but just like these are the choices that they make on stage every night um right. but for for me you know like or even with sister mary sunshine we can't have him them pull her wig off we can't have somebody right. do that to her you know mm-hmm. i mean i don't i don't know because I, I i don't know exactly what the change was but i'm assuming that that's one part of the change yep. <laughs> and yep, so exactly that yeah and so so then we have to look at it a different way and so it's just much more um up front you know uh i do i do i am looking forward to a day and age where i can fully disappear into a role um but there's some structural stuff that has to be changed before that happens or continue to sure. change you know yeah and I would imagine too. I mean, of course, it it has always been been apparent that there is white privilege and white supremacy in in like sort of built into the world of Broadway and and theater. Um, and I was so fortunate. I got to speak to um, Nakia Mathis, who is the the hair and wig designer for um, Jaja's African hair braiding, and she spoke Just to that saw experience yesterday. as well. Amazing. Oh my god! Isn't it amazing? the hair alone it is incredible but she she spoke so beautifully to that same point about like you know the black experience in the world of theater is such that you are inherently already fighting adding adding more labor and doing more work it's just more labor it's just like extra i'm was hired and certainly only paid to show up and sing these songs (laughs) Mm-hmm. But I'm holding seminars. I'm calling this. I'm ed- talking, having meetings with the creatives. I'm exactly. doing classes. I'm mm-hmm. reaching out to the community. Yeah, it's just like all this extra stuff, you know? Right. <laughs> that like, you know, obviously it is important. And if no one else is going to do it, then I would going to get done. Like, well, fuck, I, got, I have to do it. But it's like, we got we to gotta get to a point where we are, it's equitable, where this, yeah, the production is paying someone to come in and do that work, or paying you, I guess, if, to if do the extra work exactly right. because they're making the money, you know, and we're not seeing the share of it. And yes, it is so integral, especially today. I think to the to the success and life of certain projects is for it to read as authentic. When we're having this conversation, especially in film and television, uh, thank God, no longer right now about yeah. things like AI. We know mm-hmm. when it's something's computer generated. We know when it comes off as fate, false. And and of those course. things that don't come off as that those things that come off as false and like oh they didn't do their homework. It doesn't last as long and the impact no. is not as great. And hopefully it it doesn't last that long because yeah. you're like if it's <laughs> if it's misinformed, if it's ill-informed, like what are we doing? Why are we <laughs> wasting the, everyone's time and certainly the money? To put on something that doesn't need to be said again. Mm-hmm. It's frustrating. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I've talked to many people on this pod about just, you know, the <laughs> where we have gotten to and how there's like simultaneously this like incredible um, progress and, and openness and people are excited to learn and ask questions. And then we see what's being produced and it doesn't add up it doesn't or it doesn't add up. 
It's, right. And they've still, I hate to say it, they still, um, um, you should see the, 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 the gra- infographic I'm about to, not an infographic, but the graphic I'm about to post, you know, like celebrating the, the end of the, the, um, the agreement, the end of the strike and the agreement for SAG-AFTRA, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then my sentiment is Broadway, you're next. You're next, honey. <laughs> You're next, Figure honey. Get I ready. It, I, I mean, I feel like there was even a moment, maybe a few, or, uh, a few months into the SAG strike, where somebody started ra- raising some flags and saying, they, wait, "Yeah, wait, wait, they look they realized." And the behavior, the, even the the reaction of of, of producers um, in certain circles, you could see that they were re- responding to that. They, you could mm-hmm. see that they were like, Oh, they were like, uh Oh, were it was around the time of the hair, uh, that when they were, when they were renegotiating the contract for the hair stylists and designers and, and, you know, yes. um, and so, yeah, you could tell, but it's, it's not enough, darling, where it's, it needs to happen a hundred percent across the board because we're, it's if it's not, then it's literally just the same people who remain the same people who have made irresponsible, made irresponsible decisions mm-hmm. about people's identities and how to um, uh, exploit them for money for the sake yep. of Broadway in the past. It's the same people who still don't know how to make their proper decisions. And, and so for nothing. <laughs> it's the same like eight people. Like it's that, not as if yeah, we it's don't not even have... like this huge society. It's the same <laughs> right. handful of people. It's the same right. exact amount of people that are in the AMPTP that are the, exactly. the yeah. It's like a hand, like less than ten. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so wild. I mean, even just the fact that the Tonys are so gendered, I'm like, girl, is this where we, we are? Yeah. Seriously, <laughs> is it where we are? But I'm so grateful um, to to you and you know to everybody who has come on the pod and expressed their their honest you know thoughts and feelings because i i want this podcast to be part of the the bigger conversation and i want to mm. continue to learn myself but also to hopefully help other people uh, learn along the way so i so appreciate you you being here and and sharing all of that um before i let you go though i do have uh, a series of musical theater rapid fire questions that I ask all of my guests. Not not in the r- world of trivia, but this is more of a an opinion based uh, okay. questionnaire. Okay. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Let's see. Now that you are Broadway's peppermint, I have to <laughs> ask you the hard hitting Broadway questions. Hit are me. you ready, darling? She's ready. <laughs> Sondheim or Andrew Lloyd Webber? Oh, Sondheim. <laughs> Period. Sweatpants or jeans? Depends on who's wearing them, darling. <laughs> <laughs> Are they gray sweatpants? Yeah, if they're gray is sweatpants the and somebody right. else is wearing them. I ain't gonna be too mad. I'm gonna look. I'm not mad. At, I'm, I'm not mad. Yeah. Look. Um. <laughs> do you have a favorite musical? It's so cliche. It's so. It's Say Rent. It. Come on. <laughs> oh, come on. It's But who doesn't fucking love Rent? It's the best. I mean, uh, come on. <laughs> do you have a least favorite musical? Most of them. <laughs> <laughs> to be oh my honest, God, I, most of wait, them. Wait, when are we going to get Peppermint as Angel in Rent? Revival? I mean, Is that if what we're they doing? do a revival, I mean, I'll be too old for that by now. But No, um, no. No such thing. <laughs> 
I would, I would do it for sure. Uh, oh my God. Can you imagine? Um, are you a morning person or a night owl? A night owl. Mm. Is that, does that come into play with the world of drag and being in the nightlife? It always was. I would just sit up. I just, there's something about, I don't know if it's my circadian rhythm or whatever I learned on the commercials. <laughs> Um, <laughs> it's just like, I stay up. I would rather all the things that need to be done. I'd rather just do them at night. I'll do them in the dark. <laughs> mm-hmm. Perfect. I'll do Would you the ever dark. like to do a Broadway play? Yes, I would. I would like to do a play. Um, I, it's, I, yeah, I mean, that this, there's no other way to say it. Yes, I would. <laughs> um, <laughs> Casting directors, listen up. Hello. Um, what is the craziest thing a director has ever asked you to do? And this question, honestly, for you could be fucking wackadoodle because you have had directors not only in the world of musical theater, but <laughs> on reality TV shows. Yeah, I mean, I've, I, I, it runs the gamut. I mm-hmm. mean, but I think the thing that sh- my earlier experience was, um, was what shaped me the most. And I was, I, realize I was being exploited, you know, and it was not a good feeling. I was, um, did a, what we used to call B movie, um, a straight to video kind of movie. Um, mm-hmm. it was a horror th- sort of thriller and they wanted someone like me to go on my own dime upstate. So travel hours and hours and hours and kind of, I didn't even have a place to stay. I just, went up and then went drove right to set and waited we were in the woods it was wild and um there was a whole i couldn't believe how many people were there um and there was a scene where they were doing a they were just doing a scene that was like some wa- wacky scene that was like part medical kind of scary slightly sexual and they wanted um and there was a bunch of people in it and they wanted it was described to me as the McDonald's drive-through of plastic surgery, and the oh doctor, boy. the the director said, "Okay, here's your scene partner," um, and I was just I was an extra, so I didn't have any lines. But the doctor was a uh, a little person, and they were like, "Okay, the doctor's going to come through, and he's going to be examining your breasts. Take off your shirt now, action!" And mm. I did and I felt like I was just alone and I was like oh my god and so like I'm here on camera with this little person fondling my breasts like not in a medical like right kind of (laughs) way even though he's dressed like a doctor he's wearing scrubs and like honk 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 oh my and I'm like this is like and I was like I couldn't even look I was like looking away it was just humiliating on every, and so That's I was heinous. like, never again. I'm not doing that. I'm Mm-mm. traumatized by that, and I really feel like I let myself down. And so I advocate for myself quite fervently now in those Absolutely. types of situations. Uh, and directors, they're just human, and they and and they are. I don't want to say blinded by the vision, but that's a little ableist to say. But they are. They are only focused on the, the generally the, their their number one focus is to be like the project or the film or the picture or the whatever um right. and they have to see the big picture they have to see that picture um 
And so it allows them to, to do harm to people, um, some, sometimes maybe even unintentionally, sometimes mm-hmm. certainly intentionally. Um, and so, yeah, that was the, the experience. Damn, I had. that is wild. <laughs> Sorry, that was not very rapid fire. No, no. I, lo- I We need to talk about it. Um, do you have a favorite costume that you've ever worn? I guess it's that's a horrible question to ask someone from the world of drag because y- you have had yeah, I've had some incredible great costumes. costumes. Yeah. Um, I, my grandmother made me a Hershey's Kiss as a young as a youngster, and oh my God. that's always going to be. <laughs> and it was like. Before, like, you can just, like, go and buy a Hershey's Kiss costume now, but, like, in the 80s, you couldn't. (laughs) And so she, like, had to, like, you know, use her ingenuity to, like, really, you know, come up with something. And and it was wonderful. And she did a great job. And she made it from scratch every single inch of the the costume. Oh, my God. So me as a Hershey's Kiss. And I'm from Hershey, so that was, like, special for us. Hershey PA? Uh-huh. Love. Love it. Um, do you have a dream role? I don't. Work. The, my dream role is the type of role that will really um, ask audiences to really confront their um, biases when it comes to uh, particularly issues of, of race and gender. Um, really confront them uh, in a way that makes them like moderately uncomfortable, but also like wholly entertained. Totally. And I'd love to be able to contribute in that way. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, my last question for you, Miss Peppermint, which is the question that I ask every guest, but I'm okay. totally, I am Mama Rue in this moment, giving full RuPaul. What is one thing that you would say to Baby Pep? Oh, darling. I would say, I mean, it's literally the same thing that I've already said <laughs> um, <laughs> to, on TV. But yeah, uh, it's I would say, you know, like. You go ahead and like do it like the door is closed, but you're going to be one of the people who helps open it anyway. And so like start early. <laughs> wow, that is so cool. Well, Peppermint, thank you so, so much for being on the pod. Would you tell the listeners where um, they can find you and keep up with you on all the socials? Yeah, people should find me on my social media at Peppermint247. And people should immediately go to Netflix and watch, stream every episode of Survival of the Thickest. And after the fourth or fifth episode, when when it asks you to, if you like it, please... Click the thumbs up, the double thumbs up for love it. Um, Because that's a new feature that Netflix adds into their thing. Um, And yeah, then watch other, please support, obviously support theater, but like, you know, right now, support the type of content that you want to see in film and television. Um, Mm. Let your dollars and your eyeballs count because we (laughs) have to show them that it was worth it for for this strike and that we want this kind of content to be created we don't want the the burden to just be on broadway to to um you know give us more diverse stories it wasn't for so long but like now what we're what we're seeing and what the rumor is that the strike is over and to pay back they're going to they're going to cut 
a lot of stuff. And the first stuff yep. that's the stuff they're going to cut is stuff that's women-led, the stuff that's queer-led, the stuff that's, you know, uh, people of color-led and mm-hmm. produced and, and created. It's going to go back to all-American, typical, hetero. That's what, yep. they're, that's what they're getting ready to, to do. And so please support your... We will um, not let it happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here. You are just a dream, and I am so glad to have met you. Darling, I'm so glad that we met at the show. Yes. And uh, I'm just in awe of you. So thank you so much. This is great. Oh, you're so sweet. <laughs> You guys, that's it for another episode of Oh My Pod, you guys. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe anywhere you listen to the pod. And you can follow the show on Instagram at Oh My Pod, you guys. Thanks so much for listening. Talk soon. Bye. Oh my pod, oh my pod, you guys. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.